He said unto them, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bring forth, so here's his admonition to them. Here's what you need to do. <clears throat> bring forth, <coughs> excuse me, bring forth their fruits, meat for repentance. And think not to say within yourselves, we have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. That's the power of God. And now also the axe is laid into the root of the trees. Therefore every tree which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, God, as we call out unto you, the high and lofty one, God, the, the great God of heaven and earth, God, we call out to you and ask that you give your word free course this morning. God, that it speaks to our hearts. And God, when your word speaks to our hearts, I pray, God, you'll let us be honest with ourselves. God, God, let us see ourselves like you see us this morning. And God, I pray your blessings over your word in Jesus' name. Amen. So John calls them out as vipers or snakes. That's what he's saying, you generation of snakes. Who's warned you to flee or to run from the wrath to come? There is a wrath that is appointed unto to these people because John knows their hearts based on their lifestyle. There are trees that are bearing no good fruit. And so he says, who has warned you from the wrath to come? It is coming. It's coming on an individual basis. It's coming on a collective basis. Now we're going to stay this morning within the, the realm of individual wrath. So let's first define what biblical wrath is. What, what does that word mean? Well, we understand anger, don't we? It's anger. It's really anger to the point of fury. Fury. Uh, it, it was literally defined as that which would cause the nostrils to flare. Y'all have heard me talk about that before. We, we've discussed that before. But let's just think about it. In your life, you've seen people who get so mad, they're breathing so fast, their nostrils flare out. That's what wrath is. Wrath is just a, I mean, just heavy-duty anger. Now, what we need to understand is the wrath of man does not work the righteousness of God. James tells us, to be swift to hear, to be slow to speak, and slow to wrath. Because the wrath of man does not work the righteousness of God. Now, I, I don't want to pick on anybody this morning, so I'm going to just pull myself out of the file cabinet <clears throat> and explain to you some wrath <laughs> that I've, I've had what would I say? It's wrath that's come on me. And, and if you want to see, I've tried to change that. And <clears throat> I literally said, I will not let this make me cuss before. But when I start pulling on a rope to crank something, and when it don't crank, it makes me mad. 
Anybody else in here? <laughs> okay. You pull on that, you know, you, it's, it's springtime. You, got, you pulled out the weed eater. You hadn't used it all winter. You, you pump that little deal. The gas comes out. And <laughs> you pull on it. And so uh, as it does not crank, anger begins to build up. And so in, this was before I was saved. I'll go ahead and qualify this. We were living over in Jones County. And so I pull on it. And I pull on it, and I pull on it. It won't do anything. So in my wrath, I took it by the end where the stuff, where the little deal that goes around and around, and I just busted the motor all to pieces. All to pieces. In my wrath. That was the result. Did it work righteousness? <laughs> Y'all know what I had to do? Go buy another one. <laughs> See, the, the wrath of man does not bring righteousness. When a man gets so mad at another man that he will kill that other man, that don't bring, that's not righteousness. So the, we, we want to qualify God's wrath, which is divine wrath, which is moved by his holiness. And moved by his righteousness. God hates anything that comes against that which he loves. So he hates sin. Okay? God hates it. Now, I've said it a million times. We as people, we dislike it. We just kind of dislike it. And so sin's no big deal. Sin is a tremendously big deal to God. And God, in his perfect righteousness and his perfect holiness is angry with the lost sinner. He is angry with those who sin against him. And so look with me to 2 Thessalonians. <coughs> 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. The result of my wrath against that weed eater was a destroyed weed eater. That was the result of my wrath. So it's God expresses his wrath because of his holiness and his righteousness and the character of God concerning sin. His hatred for it moves him to wrath. And the wrath, the result of that wrath if you look in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 6, seeing it is a 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 6, seeing it is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you. So God, his anger is pointed at those who are troubling you as a born-again believer. You're trying to walk with Christ, they're trying to hurt you or harm you. Paul says, God in his righteousness, he will recompense tribulation to them. And then he says, and to you who are troubled, rest with us. And here's the result of the wrath of God. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, in flaming fire, taking vengeance. Remember God said, vengeance is mine? saith the Lord, takes vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. They've rejected 
the gospel of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> this is a group of people who have heard the word of God and have said, we're not going to listen to it. We're not going to pay any attention to that. We don't care about God. He can do what he wants to do, but I'm going to do what I want to do. That person causes God great anger toward them. <clears throat> he says, they obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And here's the result of his wrath. Who shall be punished. Here's the punishment. With everlasting destruction. Think about that. <laughs> Everlasting destruction. This is divine judgment and indignation pointed at the unbeliever. It's a person who is constantly dying but never dead. It's everlasting destruction. A destruction upon that person that never ends. He's talking about hell here. This is what he's talking about. You, you remember the final uh, act when the result of my wrath was to bust it up, weed eater? The final result of the person who rejects Jesus Christ as Lord, they shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord. F from his presence. There, this crying out, there's people, I promise you, right now as we are enjoying this temperature, in here, when we walk outside, it's a wonderful temperature, beautiful days. There's people right now burning in hell. The wrath of God was pointed at them. They rejected him. They died in their sins. And they're in hell right now crying out, God help me. But they are alienated from the very presence of God. Listen to what it says. From the presence of the Lord and from the glory of of his power. Nothing's too hard for God. Wherever he operates. I was listening to an old preacher last night. And me and Donna was. And he, somebody asked him. said do you think we've passed that line. In our country. And he said no. He said because God sometimes in the word. Suddenly. Changes everything. He said, I feel like we probably are, but God has all power. And as long as God has all power, and that's for an eternity, there's always hope. But when you are removed from the power of God, where when he sentences you to that place, the result of his wrath and his anger towards you, when he places you there, you are removed from his power. To deliver you. Think about that. For an eternity. For an eternity. In John <clears throat> chapter 3. <clears throat> I apologize for my voice this morning. John <clears throat> chapter 3. The very last verse in John chapter 3. Verse 36. The Bible tells us, he that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. Now that's what I'm talking about. If you're born again this morning, you should have a response of great joy. Because you have been saved from being alienated from God and his power. 
where He will not reach down and help anymore. It's over. You've been, you've been removed from that because you've put your trust in Jesus Christ. You believe that He's the Son of God. You believe that He died for you personally. You believe that He paid for your sins and you put your trust in Him. That's who believes on the Son. He that believeth on the Son hath, right now, this moment, everlasting life. You have everlasting life living in you through the Holy Spirit. When you give your life to Christ, the Holy Spirit moves in and He's there. And the Bible says you are sealed until the day of redemption. The true believer is saved till the day of redemption. And if you have the life, or if you have eternal life, you got the Son, you got eternal life. And He, listen to the way it's worded here. He that believeth not the Son, not on the Son, but he that don't believe what Jesus is telling them. We that believe what He tells us, we're saved. He says, no man can come to the Father but by me. Talking of Himself. He that believeth not. So any person, that they say there's around 8 billion of us now. Every person on this planet that is not a born again believer, and that's the vast majority of this world, the wrath or anger of God remains on them. It's pointed, think about that. The anger of this all-powerful one who is moved by his love because he loves righteousness and he hates wickedness. And when a person uh, has the opportunity to be righteous and clean, but yet decides to wallow in sin, the wrath of God is pointing at them. Listen to what it says. He that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Y'all, that is a strong, scary statement. For the lost person to hear <clears throat> that the very wrath of God is pointed at me. What a strong statement. That should stir that person's heart to a place where they say, Oh God, I've sinned against you. I don't want your wrath because we've already read that you will be in eternal destruction. The Bible says it's a fire that never goes out. What a strong statement here. So if a person chooses not to believe Jesus, they'll never see life. They'll never enter into the glory. That should scare a lost person absolutely to the place of trembling. The reality of that one verse. To know that once you die, there's nothing left. Nothing left but eternal condemnation from God in a lake of fire. Always dying yet never dead. The Bible says, you don't have to turn here in Ephesians 2. Mankind is called in their disobedient state the children of wrath. The children of wrath. We are the children of life. We who are born again. And God don't miss anybody. 
out of the billions who have rejected him, who will not accept him, who have stiffened their necks and say, I will not humble myself before this almighty God. His anger is pointed straight at them. Also in Ephesians 5 and Colossians 3, the wrath of God is upon the children of disobedience. The wrath of God is pointed straight at them. Listen to what it says in Romans chapter 2, verse 5. But after, <clears throat> but after thy hardness and impenitent heart treasurest up unto thyself wrath. Treasuring up wrath. That word treasure there means to put aside in store. You're storing it up. One of my first remembrances of sin in my life where I knew I did something really wrong and I've done a lot in my life. When I was a little boy and we had a little grocery store in, in our little town and I stole, I can't remember if it was some nabs or a candy bar or what, and I remember stealing that. I knew it was wrong. I hid. I tried to, why would I do all that? Why would I hide? Why would I try to keep anybody from seeing it? Knew it was wrong. And I understood it was wrong. And I remember getting home and mama seeing me with that and marched me right back to the store and said, tell them what you did and tell them you're sorry. I remember doing that. Now, I'm not at all saying that was my first sin. I'm not saying that. But if it was, at that point, I began to pile up sin in my treasure chest of life. Let me go ahead and rephrase that. In my trash can of life. I begin to store up sin. I begin to treasure it up. And as I get older, every sin I commit, I'm treasuring up wrath against myself. And through my teenage years, my parents taught me to do right. And I rebelled against everything. And I went my own way. And if it was sin, I tried to get into it. And I'm treasuring up sin in my life. Just treasuring it up. I'm storing it up. See, when you're forgiven of a lot, you love a lot. And, and my sin piled up through the years. And I look back and I, I ask the question, God, why did you even let me live? If your wrath was on me, like that. And his wrath was, my wrath, his wrath toward my sin was just piling up. And I'm piling up sin and treasuring up sin against the wrath. And I, it gets so much sin. And then one day, I say, God, I'm sorry for all of this. And he says, I'll forgive you. I had treasured up sin. And it was a, a treasuring of wrath. Verse 5 again in Romans 2. But after thy hardness and impotent heart, treasurest thou up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath. That day that I would die and I'd be cast into the lake of fire had I not repented. Y'all, that is so scary to me because God could have killed me at any time. And yet he spared my life. And I said, I'm giving you mine, Lord. I'm just giving you my life. But to store up wrath against that day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. To think the wrath of God 
was pointed directly at me. And had I died, I would have been put in eternal destruction. And then one day, God, as he is so righteous and just, would have gave me a court date. And I would have been without excuse. And he would have said, depart from me. I never knew you. And I would have been cast into a lake of fire. This wrath of God today remains on every lost person on this planet. And it can only be removed. And it can be removed before you die. It can only be removed through the finished work of Christ. Listen to what Romans chapter 5 verse 9 says. He's already told us in verse 8 that God showed his love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, Jesus Christ died for our sins. And then he says in verse 9, much more than being now justified. I'm justified right now. You're justified right now if you're a born-again believer. And any time you choose to read this verse, you're going to be justified. Because you are sealed by the Holy Spirit. And so much more than being now justified by His blood, by His finished work, by His blood shed on that old cruel cross as He allowed uh, those people, because He said, I laid my life down. No man took it. I laid it down. He did this willingly. And God's wrath was poured out on Him. And He paid for our sins. And if I reject that, can't you understand why God would say my wrath is on you? I gave my dearly beloved son up so you could have a relationship with me and you reject that? I understand the wrath of God being on lost people. My goodness, the payment has been made and you reject that. Much more than being now justified by his blood. We shall be saved from the wrath through him. See, when we say, I got saved last week. What'd you get saved from? That. You're saved from the wrath of God. You're saved from God's anger and God's wrath pointed at you and God is mad with you and he's righteous to be that and he's holy to be that because you choose to refuse him and you bow down to him and say, oh God, I have sinned against you. Will you save me? And his anger is just gone from you. Jesus Christ has saved mankind from the wrath of God if they will only Accept him as their Lord. Wow. How great that is. In 1 Thessalonians. Chapter 1. Verse 10. I'm going to just read this one verse. Because I want us to see. That Paul is saying exactly. Remember what John the Baptist said. Who has warned you to flee from what? The wrath to come. Listen to what Paul says. And to wait, because you've turned, in verse 9, he says, you've turned from your idols and you've turned to God and you're serving the living God. And to wait for his son from heaven. Jesus is coming back. That's a promise he's made us. Whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us 
from the wrath to come. There's no other way to escape the wrath of God. The wrath of God, according to John chapter 3, it abides, it remains on every lost person on this planet. And so the good news, church, is that if we put our trust in Christ, we're saved from that wrath. And that, that should move us. We should, we should be joyous to know what Jesus has done for us. He's the only way to escape this wrath. He paid the price. The remedy for your sins and my sins is the cross. That's it. There's no other remedy. And through the cross, if we believe in Christ, the wrath is removed or acquitted. I want to close in 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. Verse 21, here's the result. <laughs> For even hereunto were you called. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21. Because Christ also suffered for us. That was why he was paying our price. The wrath of God that was on you and was focused on you, Jesus took that wrath and he paid the price. Leaving us an example that we should follow his steps who did no sin perfect son of God, never sinned, not one time. Neither was guile found in his mouth or deceit. Who when he was reviled, he reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him or the father that judges righteously. And here's what he did. Who his own self, this is him laying his life down on the cross, who his own self bear our sins in his body on that tree. The wrath of God is removed from a person when they believe that Jesus took their sins and paid for them on that tree. That we, being dead to sin, now we're dead to sin, should live unto righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. That's a spiritual healing right there. Your soul is healed through believing that Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, has died for your sins. So as we think about that this morning, it should be great joy. It should be great joy to every born again believer this morning. Our hearts should be leaping. But for anybody who may be lost this morning, I don't know, I don't, it don't matter how old or how young you are. If you've never humbled yourself before him, if you've never turned from sin, don't rely on your good works or your good life. Don't try to rely on, I come to church every Sunday. Remember what John said, John the Baptist, don't say you're going to go to heaven because you're Abraham's son. Don't say that. The only way you'll do or, or be able to go to heaven is believing what this verse just told us, that Jesus, him own, his own self, bear our sins in his body. And I'm going to say this. If the cross has not changed your life, God's wrath is on you right now. You're not saved. If the cross has not changed your life, because it does. There's testimonies all through this room if I ask where people say, God changed my life. 
And if the cross hadn't changed your life, you're not saved. And I say that, church, because I love you. I can't stand the thought if God gave us as Christians that time to open the veil at judgment and see lost people. And if one of you is in that, if you're in that place where you're burning because you rejected Christ, I want you to understand I'm not saying what I'm saying to be mean. This is the truth. This is where the rubber meets the road. Forget all this society stuff. Forget all the stuff. As an individual, you will take your last breath. And you will either go to heaven and you'll have everlasting life or you'll drop into the pit of hell and burn forever and ever and ever because of the wrath of God pointed on you because you have rejected his love that was offered to you. Listen, the first time we sinned, he should have destroyed us. That's justice. But his mercy has allowed you to breathe his air. And as a born-again believer, I pray you rejoice this morning. Rejoice in what Jesus has done for you. If you're a lost person this morning, I pray you humble yourself before God. We're going to have an invitation here in just a second. I cannot save you. Can't do it. But I can tell you how to be saved. Don't let pride keep you from going to the cross. Don't let fear, don't let shyness reject you. The offer is too great for you to reject. Let's pray. Our Father God in heaven, Lord, we know you love us. And God, we know that when we put our trust in you, that anger you have towards sin that we allow to rule us is removed. But God, that person who may not have put their trust in you, God, your, your wrath abides on them. And God, what a scary thought to think they could possibly not even live through the day and drop off into hell. Lord, through love, your love, Lord, I, I share what I share. And I pray, Holy Spirit, you will speak to our hearts. And if there be a lost person here this morning, oh God, you would save them. And they could rejoice with us, saying, praise the Lord, because of Jesus, we have everlasting life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's stand together.